Welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. This week, we are sitting down. We are hearing the tale of the C&O Canal FKT uh, with athlete, school librarian, which is a, super exciting for me as a teacher, <laughs> uh, and just an awesome person, awesome ultra runner, Lindsay Weaver. Um, a few weeks ago, she went out and she ran 184.5 miles on the C&O Canal, which goes from Cumberland, Maryland to Washington, D.C., and she ran it in two days, five hours, and 39 minutes. That is a crazy time, by the way. That is really, 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 really fast uh, when you're looking at something that is almost 200 miles. Um, so I want to say right now, just huge congrats to her. What a huge accomplishment. Um, I think you're going to leave the conversation, uh, really hopefully setting out for your own big goal. This was just something Lindsay wanted to do. She just wanted to go out, experience the trail, uh, and what she left with, we'll get into in the conversation, but she left with this wonderful sense of community, uh, sense of self-confidence. And that's what you get by taking on things that scare you, right? I think I heard once, um, I heard this quote and it's always kind of stuck with me. It was basically the idea that you gain self-esteem by doing esteemable acts, right? You're not just going to wake up one day and be like, um, I feel great. You have to actually go out and seek out those opportunities and those moments to do these esteemable acts. And maybe the esteemable act is just being a good human in your day to day or in your job or in your relationship. Or maybe the esteemable act for you is to go out and run 184.5 miles <laughs> to Washington, D.C. Um, I really enjoyed this concept that she gets into, um, which is basically the mindset of <laughs> when she got to a point where it got really, really hard. Instead of thinking, I don't want to do this, which I could totally sympathize, right? Like if you're, I can't even imagine what 184 miles feels like, but I have a feeling like you get towards that end, that thought becomes really tempting. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, versus the way she chose to kind of reframe that was, I just want to be done. And if I just want to be done, that means the only way I'm finishing is by going. The only way to finish this thing is to keep going and to keep going as fast as I can. And I just love that idea. I think that's a really cool idea all of us can use if you're an endurance racer. Um, I think it's also something you can just use in your everyday life if you're being asked to do something that you're not necessarily really into, right? Because um, I think I don't want to do this is just a defeatist idea. You're just admitting defeat through this versus I just want to be done is more of the champion mindset. I just want to be done says, I just want to be done, but the only way to be done is to get through this and push through and push myself. And I, I really like that concept and that idea. Um, all right, guys, let's just get into it. This is the Like a Bigfoot podcast number 224 with Lindsay Weaver.
All right, guys, this week, uh, I'm really excited, Lindsay. Uh, we're joined with Lindsay Weaver. Uh, she just set the FKT on the C&O Canal towpath, which you're going to have to tell me all about. Um, I did some research today, uh, but I want to hear more about it because I think I realized like, oh, I've walked maybe a half mile on this thing <laughs> and you ran 184.5 miles on it. So, uh, so yeah, welcome to the show, Lindsay. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. And on top of everything else, Lindsay is also a fellow educator, uh, and runner. And I definitely, I kind of want to dive into that as well. So, uh, so yeah, uh, this being a Thursday for me, my brain is completely fried and exhausted as an educator. Um, so let's start by talking about running. I want to hear just like kind of what, what inspired you to even, you know, make this FKT attempt. So, um, last year around this time, probably November ish, um, I was, um, looking into Bigfoot 200 and, um, because I had done a hundred miler, um, and I wanted to do something a little bit bigger than that. And so I looked at Bigfoot and, um, you know, I'm on the East Coast in, in Maryland. Well, I live in Pennsylvania. I teach in Maryland. Um, and I, I went through altar sign up and was about to click, you know, submit, but it was really expensive. Yeah. And the thought of like the race fee and then the travel expenses and everything else. It's like, I just can't swing it this year. Um, and so follow the, I think the following week, um, I was on the CNO with some friends. We were, um, just helping out with the JFK. I don't know if you've heard of the Oh yeah, JFK. the JFK 50 mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. So we, we ran to one of the aid stations, our, our running club, the Frederick Steeple Chasers has an aid station. Um, and so we were running to go help and it's like, how long is the CNO? And so we figured out it's 184.5 miles. And I was like, that's close enough to 200. So <laughs> I think this is where it's at. And so from November on, I started planning. Um, and um, we created a, a giant spreadsheet. And I, I trained and actually, um, because I didn't, I wasn't going in to school face to face, I had a little bit more time to train. Um, so at, built up my, my training and built up that spreadsheet and kind of figured it all out. Wow. So you started training last November. Kind of. So I was signed up for CNO 100, which oh, okay. um, it, it's kind of out and backs on the CNO. Um, and so it was supposed to happen in April and I was training for that actually I can I was going to consider that a training run for and actually see if I would want to do yeah. the distance um but then the race got canceled and I was left with just training so I one day went out with um with the intention of um running 50 miles and I ran half of it by myself and then my friend Rachel our friend Rachel yeah. joined us for the other half and um I was like I think I can do it <laughs> and it was just it was my first time 
you know, doing that distance, not during a race. It was like, I, I've gone out for long runs, but not 50 miles. Um, I don't know how many people go out and do 50 miles if it's not in a race. No, but I, I built in that halfway point, which is a good aid station. And actually Rachel's son came and met us and provided some aid. So, um, it, it worked out. Um, the trail got a little crowded cause I, it like, I think that's what people turn to. Yeah. Um, at least around here, the trails were more crowded than ever. Um, once COVID hit. Yeah. Which I mean, I totally understand. Well, I was actually just talking about this the other day with some people at work because right when it hit all the hiking trails, like I would go out at six in the morning. So I didn't witness it as much, but they just became so packed. But I was kind of like, I totally get it. Like that's what we needed to, for happiness. You know what I mean? So I was, cause I know some people were upset about it or, you know, kind of negative about it i'm like why are you negative about this people are outside like enjoying the fresh air and and stuff like that you know not sitting on their phone and scrolling through <laughs> freaking out oh my god yeah i've totally been doing that at times <laughs> <laughs> I, I just told a coworker the other day i was like go you know get away from email go outside leave your phone at home and just go for a walk and enjoy yeah. like the outdoors yeah well i i gotta share my strategy on my phone right now with you really quick. I started, I heard this on that. My wife keeps recommending the happiness lab podcast, I think, or something happiness lab, maybe. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> she said if you want to get off your phone, if you make it black and white, it isn't as enticing or as fun to be on. So my, I keep putting my phone in black and white and it really is like, I just go on it for information. Now I'm like, Oh, what's the information I'm looking for, which is kind of cool. So I, um, I set my, or you can change your settings so that it turns off all your apps at a certain time. Oh, no way. So, um, yeah, I, so I set for 10 o'clock at night and then if I want to go into an app, really want to go into app, I can, but there's that like extra block on it that I have to press a button. Yeah. Um, so it, it works until I'm like really anxious to see something or, or, you know, I've let down all mental guard. And so I, you know, but it, it's, it's a helpful tip. That is well. And I, I read somewhere, like, if you want to change a habit, like a bad habit or it, use the example of like, you want to read a book instead of, which you'll appreciate as a librarian, yes. for sure. <laughs> you want to read a book instead of watch TV. It said, even if you just take the TV remote and you put it, in a different room or something and it's always there like but you have your book on the coffee table you're you're more willing like you're like oh i could go watch tv but i have to get up and walk over there and then you just won't so anyways yeah well to to build in a new habit um my boyfriend and i i noticed like we weren't reading as much um we were like in a slump and i said okay let's read 25 pages a day. And so for a month and we ended, I think I ended up reading five books and he ended up reading four books in a month. And so it was that, I think I'm, I'm motivated by the challenge yeah. and that's, that's my <laughs> mindset. Like that with this F FKT, like I was motivated by the challenge of that distance. Like that distance is daunting to anybody. Except maybe like Courtney DeWalter or something. Yeah, she's just like, whatever. 200, not a big deal. No, I'm just kidding. I'm sure she's daunted by it too. It's, it's a, 
even trying to explain to people that there are people out there that run 200 milers is like, they just can't fathom it. And there's like, okay, I don't know what that means. You know, it's just so much. Uh, it was daunting for you and motivating. Was it intimidating at all? Yes. Um, I, I was like, as, as it got closer, I was very anxious. Um, and I was like, you know, I've done a hundred miles before and it hurt. Like yeah. I remember saying after the hundred miler, I'm never <laughs> doing anything like this again. And, um, but at the same time, I think I like prepared for it mentally and my mental game going into it was really strong. And of course you need to be trained for something like that. Um, but I think that the mental piece of it is a huge piece and I was ready. Like I went into it saying, I am not stopping unless like my leg falls off. Um, I was ready, ready for anything to come my way. That's awesome. Well, I love that. I love that solid mindset. Did, I mean, it just the length of time. So what, what day did you actually start this? I started on Friday morning and okay. by Sunday midday. Nice. So you, but you start planning for it months and months and months before um, did you have the experience where, you know, you were just ready, like where you're kind of like, I'm sick of training. I'm sick of thinking about it. I'm sick of worrying about it. Let's just go and do it. I don't know if I ever got to that point because <laughs> like it was, it was just, it was daunting and yeah. I had never done anything like it before. I was like excited, but nervous, um, at the same time. And it, it was, um, I, the two days before I met with my, my crew and, um, like I made them little shirts, um, <laughs> they say, go FT yourself, FKT yourself. <laughs> and, and that's, that's Rachel's, uh, I will give all the credit to Rachel. Um, but yeah, she came up, go FKT yourself. <laughs> um, so I, I made them little shirts and I got together and, it like it felt real at that point and it's like I know you know I have one day of work left and I'm then I, I could not focus during that day of work I was yeah. like nervous um but then it came and we were we were standing there and my goal was to start at 9 a.m so we got to the uh, mile 184.5 marker it, <laughs> it actually exists which and what what town was that in it was Cumberland, Maryland. Okay. Um, so the trail goes from Cumberland to DC, um, okay. Georgetown. Um, and um, so by my watch, I actually had 189 miles. Um, and people kept asking me, why, why didn't you just go and do 200? And I was like, I was ready to be done. <laughs> I, I, I got the, I got to mile zero on the towpath and I was, I was done. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I can't imagine being like, okay, and now I'm going to do a little bit more. No way. No mm -hmm. way. Well, and it's also one of those things like your body can go and you can go and go and go. But as soon as you reach that goal, you're like, and no, and that's might be why you mentioned running a hundred miles, which I have to point out based off my research was the Yeti 100, correct? 
Yes. So yes. you were going to go from the Yeti 100 to the Bigfoot 200, right? And then I think someone needs to design a Sasquatch 300. And you can, just, <laughs> you can have like the triple crown. Of, yes. Yeah. You know, those kind of weird Bigfoot animals. <laughs> and actually, it's um, so Jason Green, um, Yeti Trail Runners, has been putting out a whole bunch of challenges during COVID. Yeah. And- he, he did. So I've done all of them, the 50K, then the 50 miler. And those were, um, we would do like um, five miles, um, like a series of five miles, six times or whatever. And then um, eight, I think the 50 miler was eight miles. And I did that with Rachel and we did it through a park. We like got tent, we got camped out and got tents and everything. And it was awesome. And then um, the hundred miler is like, well, I'm already doing 189 <laughs> miles. So I actually finished um, the 100 miler in sub 24. I was 2320. Wow. Um, and that was like an additional goal that I threw in there because I signed up for the his his 100 mile challenge. And I just got my shirt today. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, yeah. they have the best shirts. That's why. Like I did the... Uh uh east coast west coast and i saw oh, that you yes. completely kicked my ass in it because i was looking and i was like okay what place did i place it and i just scroll way down which is hilarious <laughs> um but i did it just because their shirts are great <laughs> yeah, yeah that shirt is awesome <laughs> i i love the the design of that one yeah well i i am envious of the like east coast trail running community that you guys have up there i think it's really cool um i've heard of some of the races like the labor pains and and things like that and it just sounds like like a really nice i mean trail running in general you're gonna find really nice cool people but for for whatever reason something going on up where you guys are that just sounds really really cool yeah and you know i think Jason Green is really cultivating a really great community. Um, within our, our local community, we have like an awesome running club. I think like, um, now I don't know everybody, but I think our running club has over a thousand members. Really? And they have a little branch of trail runners and that's been growing. Um, I, I think- mean, That that branch just smells worse than the other ones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I- I probably smell right now after my run. <laughs> and my shirts never, never smell clean again. Like I, I, can't, I need to find a better detergent. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. Well, and and I know when you went out and did this uh, towpath. I mean, you had this community surrounding you. So can you talk a little bit? Like, what did that mean to you, especially when it got tough, which I'm sure it did. Oh, yes, it it definitely did. So I will say it was cool to get the mileage, but that wasn't what made the event what it was. It was all the people that came out and supported me. Like, I I was just overjoyed to see everybody. Like, um, so I ran the first 30 miles by myself. So I did the 50k. Then um, Rachel and my friend Vaughn joined. And um, from then on, I had people joining me along the way. Um, 
actually at one point my friend D had expected to run like six miles and she ended up doing, I think close to 40. <laughs> and she had left all of her stuff in her car. And so she was running on very little, but she, she was absolutely awesome. Like everybody was, was awesome. I, the, the, the support is really what made it what it was. And I wouldn't want to do a self-supported event. It like, I probably could, but the, the people that came out and to support my, my running club and my family and, and everybody, it was just amazing to, to know that there's this community that supports me in doing something crazy like this. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it is like, I mean, and you're giving them something as well. You know what I mean? And I know you probably weren't even considering that or thinking about that. And you're just overwhelmed with how much they're giving to you. But at the end of the day, you're also part of that community. And I'm sure they're like overjoyed to, to be a part of that. Yeah. And I, I, I think we will, would all do the same for anybody in our group. Um, we actually have a couple of people. There's a, a race out this way called Cat 50 and the Catactin 50K. And it's, it's a tough race, but um, two of our friends are actually doing the Cat 100. They've made the Cat 100 course. And so they're going to be out this weekend, and um, we're all trying to go out to help them. Um, yeah. Because I will say I'd rather do 184.5 miles on the towpath than do the Cat 100. <laughs> I think it's way easy. The terrain is way easier for sure. Yeah, yeah. Did you get tired of the, because the towpath I'm assuming is pretty flat most of the way. Did that ever get exhausting? Um, I think like I had mentally prepared for it. Yeah. Um, so not as as much as I thought I would. Um, I think I, I just knew what I was getting into. And so I didn't even think about it. Um, I will say like right before I started my, it was a couple of days before I started my event, my friend um, on Facebook posted a picture of the towpath and said, nature's treadmill. And I was like, I cannot think of it like this because <laughs> I hate the treadmill. <laughs> yeah, you're like, hey man, what are you doing? Don't, yeah, get, don't, don't plant, don't, don't incept this into me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't want to think about it as a, a treadmill, but um, <laughs> yeah, actually like it, I mean, it was tough in general, yeah. um, but I think I'd rather have that terrain than like maybe the Bigfoot 200 terrain. It's Which just, I heard is rough. I, I've heard it's rough too. I heard it's beautiful, but yeah. I heard it's rough. Yeah, that's, oh man, that's wild. Well, I know there are probably many, many high moments out on the, on the, on the path. Um, do, is there any one or two that like really stand out of like, this was the best, like, I'll always remember this moment. Um, I mean, there, I feel like anytime I got to an aid station, well, so good and bad moments. We we um stopped. That was for, the next question. I want to start oh, positive. Positive. Okay. <laughs> or I will come back to the the negative. Um. Yeah. I I think I don't know. It's really hard to say because there were so many people out. Like my um my boy boyfriend Josh and my friend Billy um and 
my friend Nicole, they were the primary crew people. Um, and then people would jump in along the way. Um, but Billy would play music. He had flashing lights. He had um, a string of lights. Like, so it, he made this setup and it was like a real aid station. Um, so anytime, you know, it, and it was during the night, I would come up to this aid station with blaring music and flashing lights. <laughs> Just like really cool um and just coming up to an aid station and seeing all the all the people um there was was awesome of course the end um i at one point i we were pulling into georgetown it was probably a less than a mile from the finish and i just like i don't cry during races it just doesn't happen except for this one i was like I'm almost here. And so my friend took, um, Jen took pictures and I had like tears streaming down my face. I was trying not to, to like choke because I'm running. <laughs> and at that point, like I picked up the pace that um, I was doing under 10 minute miles for my last mile and a half or so. And um, so like, I was trying not to choke on my, my tears and um, <laughs> she captured it. <laughs> kind of kind of crazy but um yeah and then pulling into the the end my um friends and family were there um my my niece and nephew who are um my niece is four and my nephew is just turned one so it was like great to see them and i, I mean the whole thing was just there were definitely times when i'm trudging along but um just seeing all the people was amazing yeah it, it's it's weird that such an individual event can become you know for because it happens to me too like it's once i see those people after being by myself for a while you just appreciate it so much more and then you're in this exhausted state that i can't even imagine for you i mean oh my god and you're just completely wiped probably more than you've ever been and you're seeing all these people who care about you and love you and stuff like that and you have to be like wow this is overwhelming mm -hmm. now i'm choking on tears yeah. <laughs> it really it it was like i I wouldn't trade that, like, even though it was tough, like, I w wouldn't, I would do it again. It, um, if it meant that all the, those people were, were out there f supporting me and it was just an awesome experience. And actually like, I'm kind of spoiled now because I set up my own aid, like I designed my own aid station. So like, I don't <laughs> want to do a race anymore. There's not enough aid stations. <laughs> There's not enough people I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got like specific food just for you. Although I got really, really tired of potatoes and ham and cheese sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> what and was for a that? while, I was like off of yeah. sugar because it was just like messing with my stomach. So it's, it's like so, limited. It's so, much. <laughs> it's so much sugar that you're just like, please just give me something. Yes. Anything else than sugar. I will take it. But, yeah. Yeah. Did you have anything like that just hit the spot? Um, some, so I, I, I'm gluten-free and I, um, somebody brought me gluten-free ramen, which was awesome. And actually, um, I, uh, on a whim, I was like, somebody make me some oatmeal and I, I have the picky oats, picky bar, um, company. Um, so I had picky oats and that like hit the spot 
and and then um oh those muddy buddies that like checks covered chocolate things oh those um, yeah yeah so i had been off sugar for like a day and <laughs> um yeah it's crazy that i can say like it because i was out there for two days and five hours so yeah. full day without sugar and um other than you know like what was in my drink mix um but um then i picked up those muddy buddies and i had a scoop and i just took off jet fuel you're like yeah (laughs) yeah and then rachel was like i couldn't keep up with you (laughs) the nutty buddies (laughs) um that's amazing uh did you well i want to hear how did you handle sleep because that's the thing that always is so fascinating to me about the 200 mile races i've never done i've never even done a hundred mile race so i've never had to deal with the sleep deprivation because i know i suck at no sleep like as soon as i don't get enough sleep i am like i i just turn into like dr jekyll and mr hyde Mm -hmm. and so i'm i'm intimidated by even the hundred mile distance not so much for like what it's gonna feel like physically to my body but more like what's gonna be like not to sleep like that's be crazy yeah, I'm so for Yeti 100, I didn't sleep at all. Um, I I came in 22:50 for it for that. Um, wow. And I remember the last like three hours or th- yeah, pr- probably last three hours I was struggling. Um, so this time I intentionally built in some sleep. Um, I would sleep for like 25 minutes at a time. Okay. Um, and uh i'm trying to remember what mile i built that in um so it was it was probably like mile 80 something um i i decided to sleep for 25 minutes um then i took a shot of coffee when i woke up and um off i went um so i i built in three sleep um stations but i ended up adding some more because I would get to a point where I'm like, I can't go any further. I just need a bed. Yeah. Like I need to sleep. And I will say, so the first four times I slept and they were only like 20, 25 minute naps. I felt like I was in this in-between state that I never like truly fell asleep. I was resting, which was helpful, but um, I didn't fall asleep. And then the last two times I was like out cold. Um, So um, and the last time was only for about 10 minutes or 10 to 15 minutes. And I was like, is it really time to go? Um, but I, yeah, so total, I think two, two and a half hour, like between two hours and 15 minutes and two and a half hours of sleep. Yeah. yeah. Did you, did your crew have to like really get on your case about waking up or were you actually like, all right, time to go? <laughs> um, some of the times I was ready to go and some of the times I'm like, I don't want to go, but they're like not letting me go back to sleep. That's amazing. Yeah. You need like a parent on your crew just to be like, get up, time to get up. Let's go. Like, (laughs) yeah. And, and my boyfriend was really good at that. Like he was no nonsense. He was, and, and like, there were a couple of times uh, when my crew were, you know, they were, or the, my pacers were just kind of like, um, moving a little slow and, and 
Josh was like, no, you go. It's yeah. your, 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 this is all about you. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Um, oh man, that's so, yeah. I just, I'm just trying to even think, cause you say like naps of 25 minutes and then naps of 15. I'm like, that sounds, that sounds really hard to, <laughs> yeah. How long yeah. do you sleep when you finished? Um, so I finished, I think it was like two, two thirty in the afternoon. Okay. Um, we were going to stay at a friend's house in Georgetown because, um, from Georgetown to Pennsylvania, where we lived was a, a little bit of a drive. Um, and we got to their house and I'm like, I just want to be in my own bed, like take, take a nice bath and they had a shower. So like the bath wouldn't be possible. And so we decided to drive home and I don't think I went to bed until like eight 30, um, or so. And then I slept till eight 30 or nine the next. next yeah. Morning. Yeah. Well, that's probably good. Cause otherwise if you would have went to sleep right at like 3 PM, you would have been all whacked out. Um, were you going for the FKT? Was that like the specific goal or was that something that just came about? Cause you were doing so well. Um, I was, so when well, I guess I, you made cool shirts. I forgot about it. Yeah. Yeah. I did make cool shirts. Um, but I initially, when I started planning it, it was just like, I wanted to do the CNO, um, the mileage because Bigfoot was not on the table for me. Um, but then I realized that Michael Wardian has a male record, but I, there's no female record. So I actually back in, I think it was like February or so I chatted with Michael Wardian and he gave me some t pro tips and, um, I actually ended up getting to talk to him on the trail, like when I was doing it. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So, cause Rachel's friends, Rachel's friends with everyone. Um, yeah. So she knew Michael and so we, we chatted and it was just awesome. Can I just say this? I went and did the Marine Corps marathon last year uh -huh. and uh, Mike Wardian won it and uh. crushed it like a champion. And uh, anyway, so I typed in my name to see results, which is Ward. Uh, the only two things that came up were me and Mike Wardian. I was like, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's so cool. Yeah. I'm sure that meant a lot too, on top of everything. Like, did he join you right at the end or was it a little bit? Like no. So Rachel just called him. He was actually, um, I think he has a beach house in um, Delaware. So he, okay. he was at the beach, but he, um, we just chatted on the phone. Oh, that's so cool. So side note, um, I'm, I'm having a, like a post FKT get together on, um, the 30th. And so it's close enough to Halloween. I am being Michael Wardian for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you have long hair? I don't know. That's what so I was like. So how are you going to pull that off? Yeah. Yeah. No, actually I, I had a um, mohawk for a while <laughs> and now I'm growing it out. So it's just like awkward hair. That's hilarious. <laughs> did, did people at work know what you were doing? Did you make it known or did some people know, but not everybody. And then like, what was their reaction once you completed this? So I, yeah, I told a couple people, um, like I do a lot of professional development and back in, um, I think it was January, I did a professional development on um, goal setting. Um, and I mentioned this event back back in January. And um, 
then I, I mentioned it to a couple other people, but not widely. Yeah. Um, and then somehow, uh, um, after I finished, uh, a Canadian trail running, um, online magazine got yeah. a hold of my That's what I, was, I was reading that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know, I guess because Michael Wardian posted it on his, um, Twitter or Instagram or something. And yeah. I, I guess maybe they saw it through that, but everybody started sharing it on, on Facebook. And, um, then my coworker, who I didn't even realize I was friends with on Facebook, he was like, in case you need like something to cheer, cheer you up, this is what Lindsay did. And so like, then everybody knew about it, but it How was kind of cool. That is super cool. Yeah. Were you, are you comfortable with compliments or is that like, oh, this is really awkward. Thank you guys. Well, they haven't been in person for the most part. They've been through True. email yeah. <laughs> um, or on, on social media. So um, I think, you, you know, I, I probably am better with compliments that way, but <laughs> I, I just, I did not expect the amount of press like earlier today. Um, I was interviewing with our, my high, the, I work at a high school. So the local, our, our um, news crew, we do a broadcast. And um, then I also interviewed with our local newspaper, the Frederick News Post. Um, and I was, I did a photo shoot on the canal, like right before I started this. So it, I am not used to <laughs> all of that. And I did not expect it. I, I just thought I would complete it, get the FKT. Yeah. Um, because there was no, no record. So I, no matter if I took five days, I could the FKT. <laughs> yeah. But you, I mean, two days, oh man, two days and five hours is, is legit like i think that's gonna be really if someone's gonna try to beat it like that's gonna be a tough thing to to beat i i think so like it it you have to keep moving um for sure and my strategy for um from the get-go was to do a um four two four minute walk or four minute run two minute walk intervals because i knew i wanted to keep my heart rate low um and I am notorious for going out too hot. Yeah. Um, and so that kind of prevented me from, um, you know, sprinting at, at the start. <laughs> um, and it was, it was a good plan until I was like tired of, of the run walk. And then I just gave up and did whatever I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I had those muddy buddies. And I'm like, I'm done with this. I'm just yeah. going to. <laughs> you can't run walk with nutty buddies are you kidding me um but i mean two days like if you think about it the goal for a hundred miler for a lot of people is below 24 hours and to do all, nearly 200 miles in just double that time is is crazy so yeah so initially my i had wanted to finish in 48 that was my initial goal and um, that was a, a one thing that kind of, because um, I, I do, like, I am constantly checking my time when I'm doing events. And it's like, darn it, I am over um, my goal time. But, you know, I was moving as fast as I could. And, yeah. and I don't think, like, I could have trimmed off that much time. Yeah. Um, maybe if I trained harder or something. But right then, it wasn't, there was no way that I was going to trim off that much time 
Yeah. Was there any really low moment you had to like dig yourself out of? And if so, how did you, what, what strategies did you use, whether intentional or like unintentional? Um, Besides I, nutty buddies. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, those were so good. After so many potatoes, <laughs> like that is what I needed. Um, I don't know if, I mean, it was hard. And there were times when I was, I was just like ready to be done, but yeah. I don't know if I, I never hallucinated or anything. And I never hit a point where like I said, I don't want to do this anymore. I just want, I just wanted to be done. Um, so I, I think like it, maybe it had something to do. So I started the first 30, I listened to the, to an audiobook. It was, um, Jesse Itzler's, um, uh, living with the monks. Okay. So I had the, like, I was trying to channel the inner monk, like mindset. And, um, so I think that helped actually. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a it's a good story of how he went to the monastery and everything. But, I'll have to um, check that out. I've listened to the, or I can't remember if I listened or actually read it, but um, the one with David Cobbins. Yeah, 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 yeah. That one was good. I enjoyed it. Um, yeah. I think it's really interesting. You just said your mindset wasn't "I don't want to do this." It was "I just want to be done." So that's a totally different shift there because. If you just want to be done, well, there's only one way to be done and that's get the thing done, <laughs> you know? And I love that. I think that's a really cool mindset to have, especially when an ultra gets difficult. Yeah. And, and I think part of it was knowing that I had people who were going to be hopping along with me or joining me at some point. And I was like, well, I can't give up because they're going to be there. Yeah. And they're expecting to see me. So I have, so that, I think that helped with building that mindset. But um, yeah, I, from the get go, when I, as I said, like my, my, I think I started saying like, I am not going to stop unless I break something. (laughs) That's amazing. Well, I mean, huge congrats on what you're able to finish. Um, I'm sure your students are like, wait, what now? What'd you do? You know? <laughs> so yeah, uh, when I went to interview with them today, uh, just the, the couple news crew, they were like, we just thought you were that librarian lady who checked out books. We didn't realize this is what you did in your free time. <laughs> yeah. You're going to see kids in the library, like whispering and like pointing, like <laughs> she's just like, she's like a superhero, I guess. <laughs> When we get to go back, I'm, I'm, we're, we're still virtual. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I did want to hear just really quick to wrap up. Do you have favorite books about running or adventure? Or is that something like, I am obsessed with books about adventures and running and stuff. But I also understand if you're a runner or an adventurer and you're like, I just need a break from this. I don't, I don't want to. You know what I mean? So do you have any books that are your favorite? Or if not that, do you have a like a book recommendation for like motivation or something like that? Yeah, so I think um, this is probably been recommended a, a lot, uh, but Born to Run is always like a solid Solid, yeah. Um, so 
right now I'm reading Walking to Listen, and it's about a guy um, who walked across the United States, um, I think in 2011, and his goal was, is, was to listen to people's stories. So he went out intentionally without like a cell phone because he didn't want to be looking down at, um, you know, his phone the whole time. Um, but that, and I'm only, um, I've only just begun that book, but um, so far it's really fascinating. And um, I don't think I'll ever run across the country, but, um, who knows? You know, I, I, after Yeti, I said, I'm never doing a hundred miler again. And you know how that goes. You're on ultra sign up like two, two weeks later and like, <laughs> Oh, this race and this race. <laughs> so, um, but the, it just, um, I, I was, I started reading it before I was, I did the FKT and, um, I think that also helped like his, his perspective on things, um, provided some insight into like my, my goal. Yeah. Yeah. Have you just side note, kind of connecting to that? Have you watched, they just released it this week. It's called trans Americana. It's about Ricky Gates's run across America. No, I just saw something. Uh, I, I think on the trail runner magazine, it was like, how do I put this? It was better way. I mean, it was, uh, there was a smart way. I was going to say this. That's the thing that's driving me nuts. I was like, Oh yeah. It, it tra oh, there we go. It transcends a lot of trail running films for sure. Like it becomes something that is just beyond the challenge of running across America because during it, it's about, it ends up being about like the people he meets along the way and, and the support he receives and how like, though we are different, there are different opinions and stuff like that, how he found like actual actually more similarities amongst people and it was just fascinating it was a fascinating movie um and i geeked out because my favorite trail in uh from moab uh the cocopelli trail he oh. definitely running on it during the movie i was like oh i was like trail nerding out i was like yes i know nice. that trail. i was like Look, i know that trail um so maybe something i think it would really connect to that book because just like you said like listening to people's stories i mean that's kind of what ricky gates was doing in the in the movie yeah and i think you know with my compared comparative comparatively my small run to the transcontinental run but that that was a thing like it was about the people along the way yeah. it it didn't initially it was about the mileage but then it became about the people and who I was able to run with uh, along the way that made it just amazing. That is amazing. That's awesome. Well, Lindsay, you're incredible. Thank you for sharing your story. That's unbelievable. Are, is Bigfoot 200 still on your, on your to do, or is it like, uh, maybe not now. Can I get a discount code? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, the the logistics of like traveling yeah. and, um, and all of that and i i run in colorado i i um this is a whole nother story but i um lived on a farm for three weeks in colorado um and was not prepared for the altitude and yeah. like um i remember i went out to run 
um, my first day there and I like half a mile in, I'm like panting and, and dying. I'm like, I'm not ready for this. So um, that's another concern. Like, how would I do and uh, the different elevation and that. Yeah, kind of thing. no, I totally, I totally understand. The dryness out here is what kills me. Um, you know, I, it's weird to be like, I wish I miss humidity, but I, but I kind of do. Well, uh, Lindsay, where can people kind of follow along with your adventures if they, if they want to? Um, so I go by, um, the fit Brarian, um, on Twitter and Instagram. So I think, um, there, I, I, I go in, um, ebbs and flows of like posting on social media. Um, especially when the school year gets started, I tend to taper off, but not this year because like at the beginning of the school year. Um, so I think Twitter or Instagram at the fit, the fit brain. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Lindsay, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, best of luck for everything you do in the future. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up the show. Uh, if you want to follow Lindsay and her future adventures, um, she's on Instagram at fitbrarian. Um, and yeah, best of luck to her. I really appreciated talking with her. I really liked her perspective and it's these ideas that you gain through doing something that's difficult, just like this. It's those ideas uh, that really solidify your mindset, right? I do feel like a lot of people are out there and they're searching for these magic uh, shortcuts, these magic codes, like cheat codes, to get these solid mindsets. And it's hard to say, like, there's really no cheat code. You just have to go through it right? You have to actually experience adversity. Um, there's a whole bunch of opportunities right now to avoid adversity um, that can seem comfortable. But what what's comfortable at first actually becomes discomfort or uncomfortable later on because um, you just get used to this situation and eventually life's going to throw curveballs at you. And having these mindsets, uh, whether it's a growth mindset where you're willing to admit that you don't know something, but you're also willing to uh, understand that you can learn anything um, or just the mindset that you find from uh, these endurance athletes or these adventurers, which is the mindset of kind of elasticity, flexibility, understanding that things aren't always going to go your way and understanding that um there's going to be waves and you're going to have to ride these waves out and there's going to be tough moments and there's going to be um, really beautiful moments. And that's what makes life life. And that's what makes it worth living, right? You don't want to go out on a sailboat and just sit there and not have any wind and not have any waves, right? You want to get on the sailboat and you want to ride those waves, you know, and cheering and hooting and hollering and enduring the parts where you're getting splashed in the face by the cold water. Like those are the moments you're actually seeking. If you're looking for a solid mindset, there's not going to be a cheat code. You have to seek out those moments and you'll learn these lessons. And, but <laughs> the thing that I've learned is you'll learn the lessons and some of these lessons will stick with you and some of them will be ingrained in you forever and ever. But there are other lessons that you have to go out and relearn, right? You have to go out and 
put yourself in a situation again and then you're like, oh yeah, I remember I learned this last year, right? I already learned this lesson, um, but I've forgotten it. It faded, right? You, I, I personally, just speaking from my own experience, having done nothing as insane as a 184 mile race or a run, um, in my own adventures, I'll come home and I'll have this clarity and this clearness and it'll be really obvious the lessons that I learned and the lessons that I need to apply to my life. And for a week or two weeks, those things are right there, right in front of me, right in the front of my mind. And I go out and I, and I do them. But eventually, once you're back in regular routine, those lessons kind of start to fade, right? Or, or you know, like you'll learn lessons in an endurance sense, but unless you're actually being conscious of how you're applying those in your everyday life, whether that's with your family or whether that's at work or with coworkers or friends, if, if you don't, if you're not aware of how those lessons can be brought into the real world outside of these endurance events, outside of the adventure world, um, if you're not aware of how those lessons apply, you're going to lose them. They're going to fade. And then you have to go back out there and learn them again. So it's really interesting to me because I've had some things that have stuck with me from the moment I learned them. Like the moment my eyes were open to like a new perspective, that was ingrained in me. And then I've had other things where I felt like that was going to happen. <laughs> I'll give you an example. I ran a... I ran a couple weekends ago up a trail I'd never run. I'm trying to mark all these trails off. It's been super fun. Um, I have a map of the front range of Colorado, trying to mark them off as I go. Um, but there was one trail called Hell's Hole. <laughs> and uh, it's only like 40 minutes from my house. So I'm like, wow, I've never ran Hell's Hole. I got to run Hell's Hole, man. It's Halloween, Halloween time. So I got up, I got up, I ran it. I got there way too early. So I was in the dark and then I got to Hell's Hole, which is just this like glacier cutout of this mountain. And it was still dark. So I was like, oh, I looked at my clock and I'm like, oh man, I got like 30 to 40 minutes to spare. And I just sat down by this tree and I turned off the light on my phone because it was dying and I didn't have a headlamp. I just used my phone light because I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> and... I didn't have any, like I wasn't listening to anything and I just sat there and it was so incredibly peaceful. Like I I have three kids. It's never quiet in my house. Never, ever, which is wonderful. I love that for so many reasons, but there isn't a moment where it's just quiet. And so I'm sitting at Hell's Hole, which by the way, great name. And it's fun to say, but I was sitting there and it was so quiet and I was I just had this this 40 minutes to just be at peace and also try not to freeze cuz it started getting super cold but I was sitting there and I was just taking in the quiet I was trying to like meditate on it and stuff like that and I was like man I'm going to go home and I'm not going to be stressed out nothing's going to trigger trigger me trigger my emotions and I'm just going to go home and I'm going to be the best dad that I can be. And so anyways, the sun comes up. I take a couple pictures. I run down the trail. 
and I get home just in time for my wife to go to yoga because that's her thing. And I'm always trying to respect that. I'm like, man, she wants, she loves doing yoga at 9:30 on Saturday and Sunday. So therefore, all my weekend runs, I have to be done by 9:30. Like, I mean, I have to be home by like nine so I can watch the kids. And most of the time, I'm home even way before that. So I got home, and I had this lesson in mind. I'm like, this is the goal today. You can do this. Remember the peace you found at Hell's Hole. <laughs> and I was like, okay. And then the kids started arguing with each other. And I instantly, instantly went back into dad referee mode where I swear I'm just a referee for a day. And I'm just like, you guys need to stop it. You need to knock it off. Break it up. Break it up. Like that kind of thing. And I was like, oh my God, I just had this epiphany. And I instantly lost it so i was like man i really didn't apply that lesson i was trying to i envisioned it i did all of that but that lesson was just not ready to stick yet but someday maybe just maybe it will um and so that's just something i've been trying to reflect on something i've been thinking about over the last couple weeks um is just when i think back to the adventures i've had what lessons have stuck and what lessons did I learn that faded through time and that I need to regain? Because I learned those lessons for a reason. I learned them because I was like, man, I have to. This is going to make my life so much better. And then they faded away. So um, so that's kind of what I'm seeking right now. Um, you know what's funny about these outros? In my mind, I'm like, nobody listens to the outros. <laughs> It's like, I'm like, we're 57 minutes into this thing. Like nobody's listening to this. So I can say whatever the heck I want. Um, that's in my mind, which is kind of funny, but, uh, but yeah, I'm going to be honest guys, right before I sat down to record this, it's been a really rough week. I don't know what it is. Um, I think the, uh, it's funny doing an endurance podcast in the midst of COVID, right? Where we are all, everybody is being asked to endure. And we're being asked to endure, asked to endure things that are uncomfortable. Jobs have changed. Uh, social expectations have changed. So much has changed that it's an uncomfortable time. Um and through it all, like I've counted my lucky stars. I feel like I feel like I've been really lucky and throughout this whole thing, you know? I have a community, I have a wonderful neighborhood where people are supporting one another. Um, I still have my job. I have my kids at home, so I'm not alone. I have my wife. I have this beautiful support system. And and I realize and understand that my situation is probably the rarity in this. Um, I know I'm fully aware people have lost their jobs. I'm fully aware people are stressed and anxious and really struggling right now. And yet we are enduring. We're trying to endure the best we can. Um, through a situation nobody's been through before. Um, but it wears on you. It wears on you. I mean, and it's funny because then you get this extra guilt because I'm like, it, you know, things are going okay for me. 
but shit's still hard. And you're like, man, <laughs> like I shouldn't be complaining. You know, I shouldn't be complaining at all, but you get this, you just get, you get worn down. And I feel like this week, me, people in my lives, people at work, like we're, we're getting worn down for sure. And I think part of it is the fact that winter is coming right now and it's on its way. I didn't mean to do a Game of Thrones quote there. Sorry, my bad. Uh, <laughs> but winter's on its way and it's going to be different. Like, I feel like in summer you could still go outside. You could have, you could see other people, um, cause you could all be spaced out. You could get that sunlight and that has a huge effect. Um, but I think back when I was in Iowa, when I was in the Midwest, I would totally get seasonal depression disorder. Like it would get to me by February you know, it's dark all the time. And it's not only that, but when it's light out in the Midwest, it's completely cloud covered the whole entire winter. And that gets on you and that really affects you. And I'm just a little worried, like this winter, how is that going to affect people on top of all the other anxiety and stress that people are being asked to endure? Um, and so that's what's kind of on my mind right now. And I'm just trying to figure out like the best way to handle it, the best way to just be a positive influence as, as best I can. Um, and I think the thing that we all probably need to consider right now for you, like two people still listening an hour and one minute into this thing. <laughs> but I think the thing we all should consider right now is just how we're treating other people. Are we treating other people with grace? Are we treating them with patience? Are we treating them with kindness? Because people are going through some serious shit right now. Um, and we just, we need to understand that. And I need to understand that. Like people are going through serious struggles. And I guess my thought is, do I want to add to their burden or do I want to lighten their load? Um, me personally, the way my core beliefs are, I want to lighten their load. I want to help them out as best I can. And I especially don't want to add to their stress or add to their anxiety. And I think it's just something to consider right now and just have some extra grace with everybody. Uh, it's, it's been hard. There's, you know, with everything that's happening, there's been kind of, I mean, a physical divide obviously, or a physical isolation, but there's also been emotional isolation, uh, for a lot of people. And I think that's something we all need to kind of understand and consider, uh, through all of our interactions, whether on social media, which seem, seems to be a lot of <laughs> where a lot of the anxiety is coming from, to be honest with you. And it seems to be where a lot of stress is coming from. Um, and also just interactions in person. But I think especially like it's time to like evaluate how people are acting how we all are acting online or on social media, you know, and the message we're putting out there. And even for me, like I, I do have some guilt, like I try to put out a positive message. And so I'll take pictures of like sunrises and sunsets and, and all the runs I'm doing in places I'm exploring. And my intent is 
I want people to see that and be inspired and be like, whoa, I could go out for a run too. Sweet. Or, hey, Chris is waking up early. Maybe I could wake up early. Stuff like that. Um, that's my intent. But I also understand, like, I'm putting the highlight reel out there. Like, that's not what every moment of every day. Like, I'm not seeing a sunrise from a beautiful mountaintop every moment of the day. That's usually, like, my first hour of the day, right? My, my hour to myself that I keep so sacred because I do feel like that makes me a better person. But that's, that's that, you know, I'm not, put, I'm not putting the moments where I'm dad refereeing or, or, you know, uh, staring at my computer, putting grades in as a teacher. Um, you know, so I just, I hope people understand that. And I hope, I hope, you know, you understand that when you're looking at anybody's social media. And I try to always use it for me personally. Like I try to use it as inspiration and, and instead of like something that stresses me out. Like I follow a lot of accounts where people for awesome athletes who are out just kicking complete ass, just like Lindsay was in this episode. Um, and I also follow people who go out and like explore the mountains and they're in the wilderness and they're putting beautiful mountain pictures. And there is the thing I have to deal with where it's like, man, I do it. I'm sitting there looking at these mountains and I know for me personally, like I can't get up into the mountains all the time, you know? And so there are moments where I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh, that would be so nice. But I have to remember, like, that's the highlight of that person's day, too. Like, they're they're doing the normal stuff as well. Um, so use it as inspiration. I'm like, whoa, maybe someday I'll go to that spot. Or, uh, oh, man, look at that. That's super cool, like, how they're able to, uh, you know, set a goal and go out and get it and try to reach it and go through all the, like, what are the, all the hard stuff of them getting up that mountain? Like, I would love that. Um so just something to think about. It's going to be a stressful time. It's going to be a stressful few months. We will endure. We'll, we'll be able to battle through. Um, but try to, try to do things that fill your spirit, fill your soul. This podcast for me is definitely one of those moments every week where I do get to fill a little bit of my spirit up. And I get a, it, it brings me a lot, a lot, a lot of joy. And I can't express that enough. So thank you guys for listening. Uh, if you're still listening and you're an hour and six minutes in, I appreciate it. <laughs> um, thank you, Lindsay, for being on the show. Uh, best of luck for whatever you decide to take on next. I'm sure you'll crush it. And yeah, guys, next week. Oh, I have a homework assignment next week. I get to sit down and I'm so excited. I've been trying to, I've been working on this interview for like six months now. Um, and we finally made it happen. I get to sit down with a man named Arshay Cooper uh, he wrote this book and it's so good. It's called a most beautiful thing. Um, and then they just filmed a documentary of the same name, a most beautiful thing. Uh, and it'll be on Amazon next week. So I guess you can't do homework yet. You have to do homework after the episode. Uh, but it's awesome. He was in the nineties. He was in high school, um, in, uh, West side Chicago in a really, really, really rough high school. Uh, and, they started a program there uh, to start the first all black rowing team. Uh, it's awesome. The book is so good. The movie, I weeped. <laughs> it was so good. 
Um, it was really touching, really well done. He's getting all sorts of press for it, which is why me with my, uh, you know, I was like, oh man, he's getting interviewed by like NPR and like, uh, the today show and some of the Olympic announcers and stuff. Uh, he's been interviewed by so many people. I was like, oh man, I had a little bit of self doubt. Like, what can I bring to the table here? Um, that's different and unique and, Truly, I think the interview went really, really well. He was awesome, super inspiring. So that's going to be next week. So come back for that. So, all right, guys, we'll talk to you later.